Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Amen. Turn with me to James chapter 313. There's a lot to talk about this morning, so I'm going to just start plowing through it. James 313 says this, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Stop right there. Last week, what did Jeremy speak on? Anyone remember? Can you remember? Faith in action, and I wasn't even here. Faith in action. How do we apply what we learn through Scripture to our everyday life? Our faith, our actions, represent what we believe to be true about ourselves and who we are in light of God. It's almost like when we sing that I'm a child of God. We are trusting that we do not have to be controlled by fear because we are walking the identity of who we are as sons and daughters of God. And so right away, James says, prove your faith, prove yourself by how you live an honorable life. Isn't that what we always say? I'd rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. I'd rather see someone's faith lived out than them telling me the gospel message. I'd rather watch someone when no one is looking and seeing that what they say to me and what they believe is actually a reality in their life. And then he goes on and says this, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Everyone say the word with me, wisdom. Say it, wisdom. So we are specifically going to talk this morning about wisdom. So what's the counterpart to wisdom? It's called knowledge. The accumulation of facts, right? So many of you have a whole lot of knowledge, right? Everyone, show me your phone. Show me your phone. Show me your devil device. Show me your devil device. There we go. Show me your devil device, right? So many of you have so much wisdom. Do you know in 2006, Time Magazine, do you know who they said the most important person is? You know how Time person does the most important person of the year? Do you know who he said was? They said you were. Because of all the knowledge you have in the palm of your hands in your devil devices, I have a devil device too. So what's wisdom? I love when I was younger, this is what I learned what wisdom was. Knowledge applied. We like to take wisdom as some kind of supernatural terminology when simply wisdom is our knowledge applied to our lives. Wisdom is the practical application of what we know in order to make the what? best decision, the best decision. So let's look at the book. What would happen if I came next Sunday morning and said, and I opened the Quran? What would you do? What would you do if I, if I literally came up and I, and I opened up the Hindu scriptures? What would you do if I took a People magazine and turned to page 56 and started preaching out of People magazine? What would you do? Whoa. Right? And so when we talk about wisdom, when we talk about heavenly wisdom, when we talk about the wisdom that we as children of God look to, it's the Holy Scriptures called the Bible. When I was a new believer, one of my, my favorite bands 
wrote a song called Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Bible. Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. In other words, the scriptures prepare us to live the life in the identity of who we are as children of God so we can live out the fullness of who we are here on earth so that when we stand before our king, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. I'll honestly say this. I've been a follower of Jesus for 20, I was 19 years old, so I have to do the math. It's a little too early. A long time. I'm 48. Someone do the math for me. I became a Christian at the age of 19. This past year, I've never read my Bible more than in the history of my faith. In a year. When I'm driving, I'm listening. When I'm working out, I'm listening. Because I know now more than ever, I know now more than ever, I need to be in the word of God. Because if I believe that the word of God is my instruction manual, how to know God, how to be known by him, and how to make him known, then the only way that I'm going to know God is by looking at a scripture. Let's see what scripture says about wisdom. Proverbs 9.10, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Proverbs 3.15, wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire compares with her. Timeless. Timeless. And then David, when he wrote his first psalm, this is how he began his first psalm. Well, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, pretty common sense, or surround or, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. For me, people say, well, you read the Bible because you're a pastor and you get paid to. Seriously? How many times this year I have not wanted to be a pastor? Do you know there are more pastors this year leaving the ministry than in the history of pastoral ministry? Do you know that? Do you know this has been the hardest season for pastors to have to not only preach, but allow their character to be grounded? Do you know right now more pastors are coming out in the history of the world with failure because of all of the things that are going on than in the history probably of humanity. And so why do I read the word of God? I read the word of God because the word of God is the foundation of Rob Parker's life. And if Rob Parker was ever called out of not being a pastor anymore, it would not change how the word of God is the foundation of what I stand on. That's the foundation that I stand on. And so I think we need to ask the real question is, where do we gather our wisdom? Because what you think about is what you really value. What you spend the most time in is what you really value. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to actually jump into what James talks about, two different forms of wisdom. Earthly wisdom versus heavenly wisdom. <clears throat> and what he does is something very, very strategic. He talks about their origin, how they operate, and the outcome. The origin, how they operate, and the outcome. I actually said that this should have been a two-week sermon series because there's so much to it. 
Well, let's talk about earthly wisdom first. But if you are bitterly jealous, anyone been jealous lately? And there is selfish ambition in your heart. Everyone just raise your hand. Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and, ooh, he ain't using that word demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Man, this dude is so practical. Isn't he? So let's talk about the origin of earthly wisdom. Earthly meaning temporary. Does not have lasting results. He says it's unspiritual. And when he talks about unspiritual, he uses the word sensual and of the flesh. And when he uses the word sensual, we all think about sexual. No, sensual of the flesh, meaning our nature, our desires, the things we want to run to. Right? We talked about this about three weeks ago. And it's funny that the word psychology actually comes from the word sensual. Did you know that? But then he also says it originates from the demonic. A place being under the dominion of oppression. Earthly wisdom. Do you ever think about that? I mean, all you do is watch the news and you are filled with fear or jealousy. That's it. Fear, jealousy, or maybe anger. That's the wisdom of the world. And how does it operate? James just walks through this, and I'm not making these up. These are just right from the scripture. Jealousy. Selfish ambition. I love how he says, a need to brag. Having to lie to prove your point and to get your way. I mean, think about Eve in the Garden of Eden. The little lizard only said, eat the apple. That's all he said. The apple would have looked good. It looked beautiful. It looked shiny. It was like they just went for like apple picking, and it was the perfect season of October. And he said, this is the best one to eat. And he said, here, take a bite. You will be like God. You will be all-knowing. It wasn't that the serpent took Eve to the discotheque, to a party, said, hey, let's go do something behind the trees, smoke this, drink this, do that. All the serpent said is, yo, take a bite and you will be God-like. Short-term bite with horrific results. Come on, anyone ever been there? Anyone ever bite the apple? I've bitten many apples. Many apples. And boy, does it taste good in the beginning. But it sours everything in the future. But then he talks about the outcome. This is what he says the outcome of earthly wisdom is. Disorder. Confusion. And every kind of evil. But my relationship wasn't working out. And someone showed me more love. 
And God must have put that person in my life because this person seems like they know how to love me better. And like Eve, and like we've all done before, we all justify. What's the outcome? Lying, cheating, manipulating, hurting others, all for the purpose of selfish gain. Think about King Saul. I think King Saul is one of the most interesting characters in all of Scripture. When you read 1 Samuel chapter 9, and I've done this study more for a Rob study than I've done it for a church. I've done a real study on King Saul for my own soul more than forever in a preaching capacity. When the Spirit of God fell upon King Saul, it says that he was transformed. And he started prophesying the words of God. People were so overwhelmed by the transformation that King Saul had that he was almost unrecognizable. But then he allowed greed and selfishness, the need for approval and the fear of man to drive him to a place that he actually killed himself. And what's even sadder is he made his son help him kill himself. And even though he realized that he had sinned, he still tried to negotiate with God to bless him in a selfish manner. He lied, he cheated, he manipulated, he called confusion, he did every kind of evil. Proverbs 14, 12, there's a path before each person that seems right. But in the end, it leads to death. We've all done it. We've all done it. We've all done it. And there's so many times that I've looked at King Saul's life and I've said like, wow, how do I not be a King Saul? You know, one of my biggest things in my life that I've been telling Sue this year is I want to finish strong. I don't care about accolades as much as I do. I don't care about the mark that I leave on the world as much as I do. I think the one thing that, that's really processed through me during COVID for my children is I want to finish strong. I want my kids to say, wow, daddy did it really well. Because in 30 years, no one's going to remember who I am. Remember that guy Rod Packer? He started a church called the Planet Church. Yeah, that was pretty weird, huh? No one's going to remember. At the end of the day, the only ones that are, I'm going to ever leave a legacy for are Brandon, Becky, Ben, Luke, and Pedro. And we all do this. We allow the loudest voices in our life to dictate who we are. And then James, he, and, I, and I love about Scripture, everyone's like, the Scripture's so negative. It, it's such like God is like, he's this bad judge. No, when God talks about something negative, he always brings around the positive. If God asks you to give something up, it's because he wants to put something better in you. Amen? If God says give this up, it's because he wants to give you something better. He wants to give you something better. And so then he talks about heavenly wisdom. 
Verse 17 through 18, but the wisdom from above is, is first of all, pure. It's, it's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So where does this originate? Where does heavenly wisdom originate? It originates through the Holy Spirit. It originates through the Holy Spirit and through Jesus Christ himself and through the word of God. That's how it originates. Why do you think we sing about Holy Spirit? You are welcomed here, here, right here, right here, right here. Yes, it's great that you're in the room and yes, you're making us feel a little bit more warm and fuzzy, but Holy Spirit, you are welcome right in here. But I can't know about the Holy Spirit if I don't know the Word of God. You cannot know Jesus unless you know the Word of God. 2 Peter 1.3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need by living a godly life. For we received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of, this, of his marvelous glory and excellence. Do you know God wants you to live an excellent life? Not a perfect life, it's, impo- it's impossible. God wants you to live an excellent life. Holly, I loved how you spoke about sharing your feel, fear. God wants you to live an excellent life. He has the best for you. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? Jared, God has an excellent life for you and your family. You know how awesome that is? Joe, God has so much in store for you and your family, and God's got your baby. Amen? Right? I can just look around the room. God has an excellent life. Angie, God's best is yet to come. Nothing's going to be perfect. It's not supposed to be. We live in a broken world, but God has something excellent for us. So how does it operate? You remember what I said this? I said, I said, James refers back to Jesus in every single one of his writings. Everything he says reverts back to Jesus. So if you were to take James chapter 3, and you were then to open the Beatitudes to Matthew chapter 5, you can go, boom. The operation of heavenly wisdom is seen in the Beatitudes of Jesus. Let me show you. First, he says it's pure. First and foremost, it's pure. Above everything else, it's pure. First and foremost, there's nothing tainted from heavenly wisdom. Nothing contaminates heavenly wisdom. Look what Jesus says. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Right? First beatitude. And then he says it's peace-loving. James says it's peace-loving. It seeks to bring unity and love without compromise. I have to compromise. No. You do not have to live a life of compromise. God blesses who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. You know what peacemakers do? They don't appease. They step in to bring transformation. And then he says it's gentle. Heavenly wisdom is gentle. Considerate, caring for others. Another word for gentle is meek. You've heard me share this a million times. The word meekness refers to a horse who has been tamed 
and who's under control. You step in a ring with a wild horse, man, you're in trouble. I'm a huge horse guy. My biggest dream is to have several horses. Probably won't get them until I go to heaven. But if you've ever stepped in a ring with a wild horse, it's a scary sight. But there's something beautiful when you work with horses and you go up to this 2,000-pound animal and the animal walks right up to you and you're petting its face and you trust that animal. And that animal is gentle and that animal wants to work with you and for you. God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth. He says it's full of mercy. Heavenly wisdom is full of mercy. In other words, we put others over ourselves. Holy shnikes. Have we been doing that this year? God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Those who we have power over or control over, are we coming down to them and saying, hey, I know that I may be in a position over you, but I want you to know I'm walking alongside you. And then he adds a few more. Yields to others. You know what yields to others means in the Greek? Easy to live with. How many of you are easy to live with? How many, right? <laughs> I know Eddie sure is easy to live with, right? Willing to submit one's will over another. Oof. Submit. He better not use that word. Does not show favoritism. Stands on principles. It's not positional. Is always sincere. Is honest, forthright. You know what the word sincere actually means? Sincerity in the Greek. It's taken from the theater of of a mask. Hypocrite. It's not hypocritical, right? When you go to the theater, people play different parts. We take off our masks and we are who we are. We are able to sympathize with others, but it doesn't mean that we just kind of give in to what others want us to feel. Truth and love brings grace and redemption. I'm so thankful when I was a young man. In two different episodes, I had someone really sympathize with me and show me sincerity. One was a man who used to come to our church named Chuck, and he was my, one of my leaders growing up, a mentor to me. And even though he knew everything I was doing was wrong, he never allowed me to continue to say, it's okay to do those things. I remember I had a sibling who one time just like knew what I was doing and what I was up to and the, and the, and the horrific pain I was causing to myself and to others, and we were driving down Route 17, and he just wept like a baby. He's like, I don't agree with you. And his tears and his ability to sit in that place and hear where I was at showed me what true sincerity and love was. He sat with me but didn't have to agree with what I was doing. That's sincerity. But then what's the outcome? The outcome is the sowing principle. If you plant an apple seed, you will harvest apples. If you plant a fig tree, you will harvest figs. If you plant the Spirit of God in your life, you will live by the Spirit of God. If you plant the Word of God in your life, the Word of God will direct your decision process. 
There are times that I make decisions that I don't even want to make, but I know they're what God wants me to, and I know in the long run that God will bring a fruition at some point down the road. I love COVID. As much as I hate it, I love it because it's sharpening me and it's making me deal with my garbage. It's making me deal with how I love others. It's making me look at this crazy political mess that our country's in and say, I want to follow the kingdom of God. It makes me have to learn how to love others above myself. Because I do believe in the future that the character that God is shifting in my soul right now will come to fruition. Because if you think that this is tough, people... Watch what's coming next. Watch what's coming next. So the question is, when we look at earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom, the question is, what foundation do we stand on? In other words, everything James does, he brings it back to Jesus. It's funny, is Jesus even mentioned one time in the whole epistle, but everything he talks about comes back to Jesus. Jesus talks about a parable, and he talks about a house that's built on, on a foundation. And these two houses he talks about, one is built on the sand and one is built on the rock. So everyone, since we weren't able to go there this weekend, let's go to the Jersey Shore. Let's go to LBI. Everybody close their eyes and let's go to LBI, right? Or go to your happy place beach. Where's your happy place beach? Go to your happy place beach. Now think about the houses that are on the beach. Think about one house that is, is built on the sand and one that's built on the rock, but they look exactly the same. And we've seen this living in New Jersey. Let's call it Hurricane Irene. Let's call it Hurricane Sandy. And those houses that were built on a strong foundation, what did they do? They stood the test of time. But those that wanted a gorgeous house but wanted to cheat by not laying the right foundation, what happened to those houses? They went to sea. And the question is, is what foundation are you laying your house upon? What foundation are you teaching your kids to lay their foundation on? The house that's built on the rock, and the rock is Jesus, stands the test of time. Storms will come and storms will go. And some storms last a whole lot longer. Think about Katrina. Right? That was a pretty long storm. Think about what we went through with Hurricane Irene. It was a pretty long, it did not kind of roll in and, and roll out. It kind of rested upon us. And there are some storms that feel like they're resting upon us for way too long. Do I get an amen for that? But yet, the foundation of which we are built on allows us to determine how long we can withstand the storms. How long we can withstand the storm. how long we can withstand the storms. It's the hardest part about being a parent. Hardest part of being a parent is that we try to make it through our storms and then we have our children who have their storms and we got to help them process through their storms as well. Do you know what they say right now? Pets are the new kids and plants are the new pets. Do you know that? That's the new saying. 
Pets are the new kids, and plants are the new pets. Why? Because you don't have to talk your dog through junior high school. Right? I mean, how wise is that? How awesome is that? You don't have to worry that when you take your dog for a walk and they don't get along with the next door's neighbor's dog, like, let's work through this. Throw them a treat. They're good. And so, like, now more than ever, I, I really think, and, I, and I'm not a doom and gloom guy, I think right now God is up to some awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. We all know that when we go through the hardest times in our life, when we look back and we say, that's what made us who we are. Amen? And so if that is who, who makes us who we are, then let's make sure that we are grounded in such a way that when we're going through our hard times, that we allow ourselves to be the people that God has called us to be. So we look back and say, wow, I am who God has created me to be. Foundational test. How are you responding to personal and relational storms? Are you selfish, aggressive, to get your own way? How are you responding to social tensions? Are you informed, aware, responding through a biblical perspective? Or are you allowing the cultural climate to shift your heavenly foundation? How are you responding to internal conflict due to the limitations forced on you? Caring for the needs of others or lashing out? So let me simply teach you how to create a strong foundation. First, live in a place of humility. Live in a place of humility. God, I've done a really poor job of this. I need to repent. I need to repent. Proverbs 9, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's not a bad thing to fear God. It's a healthy thing. Lord, I want to sit under your authority. I have several mentors in my life that, that, I, that I live in awe of them. Because I want, I want, to, I want to live the life that, that they have gone before me. I live in awe of Jesus. I, I live in fear of the sense of healthy fear, a, a healthy understanding that I want to sit under the authority of God. There are several people in my life that I trust when they say, Rob, do this. I do it. Second, allow God's word to be the bedrock, for, bedrock of your knowledge. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Isn't this book of James great? Like you're walking away and you're like, dude, I, you just spoke to my heart. You know how many times I get, I, get, I get emails from people or phone calls saying, you were speaking to me. You wrote this message for me. No, God wrote the message for us. And then lastly, put yourself in a place of accountability as iron sharpens iron. It's why we push community so much. As iron sharpens iron, iron sharpens iron. There are several people in my life that sharpen me, that sharpen me. And sharpening hurts at times. Do you have, do you, have you allowed yourself to have someone in your life to speak truth and you will shut up and listen to what they're saying? 
Do you wrestle through life with other people? Because if you don't, you've missed the point of what true community is. And let me conclude with this. James wrote this letter to empower and equip the early church to establish a strong foundation. The reason we are walking through the epistle of James is that you would establish a strong foundation so you would be equipped and empowered to live the life God has called you to live. Amen? People of God, the Holy Spirit wants to lead you and guide you like me speaking to you. Allow the word of God to be the light to your feet. Allow the spirit of God to teach you how to move and live. Allow the body of God, the church, to walk this journey with you. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.